This Breakfast with Ben's podcast on the Fans First Network brought to you by Gerger Construction. It's not too soon to start planning your dream deck. They build decks year-round, and they're booking into spring and summer 2024. Gerger Construction is a small burg business specializing in decks, pergolas, railings, and fencing. Fully insured, licensed, and now offering financing options. Go to GergerConstruction.com to get your free project estimate or to schedule your deck safety inspection today. Madden Monday for this week. Tim Benz and Mark Madden from 105.9 The X. Make sure you listen to Mark Monday through Friday, 3 until 6. Check us out, Madden Benz Unfiltered. We're keeping our same broadcast schedule, at least as of now, for Labor Day. That's the game plan as we get set for the start of the Steelers season the week after on September the 10th against the San Francisco 49ers. And I will get to that, and we'll spend a lot of time talking about the Steelers. But, Mark, first and foremost, I wanted to say I really enjoyed the interview that you had with Kent Tocolvi, Pirates Hall of Famer. He was on about an hour before I joined your show last week. I went and covered the induction ceremonies for Teak. Uh, I thought that was a real good interview that you had with him, particularly the elements of how he picked up the submarine delivery from the likes of, I think you brought up Yule Blackwell and he brought up Ted Abernathy. You know, my, my mom said when, and I, and, and I was a kid, I was like you know 13 or 14 when Teak first pitched for the Pirates. My mom said, this guy looks like Yoel Blackwell, <laughs> who, who was a, a, a submarine guy back in the day called The Whip. And uh, Antique's delivery, I mean, you look at it now and you're wondering why his arm doesn't fall off. But uh, as I wrote in the column in the Trib, you look at a guy like Shoei Otani, who's going to need a second Tommy John surgery, and his arm's been nothing but protected. You know, he's the, the the definition of load management, you know, pitch count, all that stuff with pitchers, and yet he's going to have his second Tommy John surgery, whereas guys like Teak, you know, pitched 16 years, pitched over 100 games in a season, I, I think it was three times. you got somebody like Nolan Ryan, who threw harder than anybody, and he didn't have arm trouble till the last pitch of his career at age 46. And it makes you wonder if, if arm trouble isn't something just random, and it's not something you can avoid through uh, pitch con, et cetera. Uh, you can make a really strong argument for that because it seems like the more we worry about arm trouble, the more it pops up and takes pitchers out. To that end, how do you think that part of the calculus comes into play with how they're handling Paul Skeens? I think he just stinks. Give it up on him after one time through. No, no, I'm, <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding, of course, but, uh, but there is a bit of panic now that he got bombed what was it, three runs and two-thirds inning and double I think it was a. four, actually, yeah. But, I mean, they're going to find a way to ruin him. That I'm not kidding about because <laughs> they're just going to slow play him. I mean, it just – I think you should pitch a guy hard until he has arm trouble. I'm not saying it's like running backs until the arm falls off as opposed to the wheels falling off. But, again, I don't see any way to avoid arm problems. I think it just happens. And you brought up Nolan Ryan, kind of to your point about the randomness of it. Not only is he random in terms of pitch count, it might also be random in terms of delivery because there's no two more opposite guys than Teak and Ryan when it comes to that delivery. Well, Ryan had perfect mechanics, and that might be why he he didn't have arm trouble, and he had a great workout regimen as well. My point is maybe there's more than uh, one way to approach this. But, but, yeah, I mean, I look at guys like Catfish Hunter who had minimal arm problems and pitched 
you know, over 300 innings fairly often. I, and, and, but there's no going back. You'll never get pitchers or managers or the agents of pitchers to think that, hey, maybe by working a guy a ton, by making that arm get stretched out and, you know, pitch a lot of innings and a lot of pitches per, per outing, maybe that actually helps and maybe it actually does. But again, there's no going back. There's nothing random about why the Pirates aren't good. And I think I heard you reference something that I made a point about in the trip. And also, I think the last time I filled in for you, and that is this little bucket of Pirate fans are saying, ha ha, look at the Yankees, look at the Mets, look at all that money they're spending. Spending money doesn't guarantee championships. Well, no, it doesn't. But you know what guarantees not winning championships? Never spending money. Well, right. And if you spend money, then if you spend it wrong, you can just spend more which is what the Yankees and Mets are going to do. But, Tim, they do stink, the Pirates. I, I went today. I uh, I stayed home to watch the end of Liverpool's exciting 2-1 win at Newcastle with only 10 men after a red card. Darwin Nunez in the 81st minute and again in the 94th to pull the Reds back from a 1-0 deficit. So I got to the game a little late, and uh, I parked the car uh, just as the first pitch was being thrown. The Pirates trailed before I got to my seat. <laughs> so that's the Pirates. And it, it, it was, I mean, I have a good time because I sit in uh, the, uh, whatever the Cambria Club's called now, it's sponsored by Tequila. And, you know, the people are nice and the food's good and it's a great view and it's cool, you know, on, on the inside part. But, I mean, they stink. I mean, that's not why I go. I said that to somebody uh, in, in, in the club. They were saying, oh, well, you know, it's a shame. We were hoping they'd win and, I said to her, I go, ma'am, I go, you really come here hoping to win? I mean, I, I just have anything but in mind in terms of my goals for the day. I just want to have a good time. But uh, that's also why I probably go two or three times a year as opposed to, well, when I was 10 years old, I went 41 times in one season. Mark Madden with us. Uh, before we get off of baseball, Mark, you mentioned Showways. Is that going to be the most expensive injury in the history of baseball, maybe in the history of that sports? That is going to cost him, uh, I would think, over $100 million in free agency, maybe as much as $200 million. Uh, he was going to get a contract maybe as high as $600 million. I bet it's under $400 million now. And maybe it should be way under $400 million because there's no guarantee he'll ever pitch again or pitch well. And, Tim, here's the thing. If, if he hits and pitches, he's close to an MVP candidate every year, right? Mm-hmm. But if he only does one or the other, he is not overwhelmingly exceptional at one or the other, especially pitching. Especially pitching, The highest pitching, he's ever yeah. done is fourth in the Cy Young voting, you know, in, uh, what is it, six years in, in MLB. So, like, I think he just takes a terrible financial tumble. Mark has mentioned the openers on the 10th against the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think the preseason could have gone better for the Steelers. I'm... Sort of struggling, though, with this wave of positive emotion from the fans. I get it. Be happy. Be enthused. But I'm not going to change my expectation because, well, they're living up to my expectation. I expected them to be better than what I saw last year. That doesn't mean that I'm going to take my 10-win projection and now say it's going to be 12 because they're doing what I hoped and thought they could do. Yeah, I might be coerced into 10 and 7 instead of 9 and 8. But for me, and I'm working on a call about this for the trip, there's still plenty of question marks. I mean, I don't like either tackle or the center all that much. Um, you know, I, I still question if they'll use the middle of the field in real games and take that risk 
if they'll cash in in the red zone in real games. Uh, I think, for example, in the first game, San Francisco, Shanahan with McCaffrey and Kittle, they're going to go right after the Steelers' weakness, which is inside linebacker. And their cornerbacks ain't that deep. So there's still a lot of things I I wonder when it comes to the Steelers. Now, I, I see people say, well, yeah, they're one injury to so-and-so, like Watt or Minka or whoever from being in a lot of trouble. But any team could say that about a star player. So uh, I'm just talking about you know, spots on their team now that, that maybe aren't gaping holes, but uh, but aren't as strong as you might like, and, and ultimately they'll need to be. Yeah, and any team can use injury as an excuse, too, and the Steelers' fans, anyway, certainly have in recent years, and some of them have been, to a degree, very legit, whether that was Ben in 19 or Watt last year, Watt at times the year before. But, Mark, you know, like, the San Francisco 49ers went to the NFC Championship game with Brock Purdy. You know, the Eagles won a Super Bowl after they had to go to Nick Foles. The Patriots won 11 games with Matt Castle and Rob Gronkowski was out for a Super Bowl run. You can't just fall back to injury. And I don't know, if we're going to beef up the expectation here in August, I want to see that standard withheld all the way through January. Well, those injuries are exceptions, not the rule. And the fact that you could cite them so easily confirms that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I want to see if Matt Canada, how he does calling the plays when he's facing a game plan by the defensive coordinator and when he has to adjust. Because as, as we know, exhibition play is notoriously vanilla. So uh, I just think there's any number of questions about this team. And I hasten to add that in 2016, I think it was, the Cleveland Browns went 4-0 in the exhibition season, then went 0-16. I don't think it's going to be that extreme with the Steelers, but I'm taking nothing for granted. Yeah, they went 3-0 last year and missed the playoffs, so there you go. Boy, I thought Kenny Pickett was really good in the limited opportunities that he had this preseason. And oh, cer- no, no, Kenny Pickett is the one, I don't want to say sure thing, but but the, the things I talked about, I'm not sure about. Kenny Pickett, I'm relatively sure about, although I still think Kirk Cousins is the ceiling. I think he's less of a variable in the, in the equation than he was at the start of the preseason. Look at those throws he made against Atlanta. I mean, those are top-notch, drop it into a bucket, hit the perfect point on the high point to Pickens. I mean, those were top-caliber throws. Against the crappy team. I mean, you have to note that, who weren't even playing their ones. But yeah, he looks fine. And uh, I like his leadership angle for a second-year guy. There's just not anything to dislike about him. One thing I wrote about in the trip too, Tim, and boy, I'm just plugging away at my own stuff. But then again, this is a a trip podcast. Uh, I, the Steelers got rid of all their jerks. I, you know, it was kind of organic, but there's no Bell, no Brown, no Juju, no Claypool. All the egotistical guys who put themselves first. And they brought in glue guys like Siamalu and Robinson and Pat Pete. And now the team feels more like the Steelers again. And that offers no guarantees, but I do like it. Pickens probably has the biggest diva quotient of that bunch. Yeah, yeah but, but, not, but not so far. Not to this degree. I mean, he got a little gripey at times last year when he wasn't getting the ball and there were the quarterback issues. I mean, we heard what happened with Johnson and Trubisky in the locker room early in the season. So it's there. But if they win, and they win more regularly than they did last year, especially to start the year, if they're not 2-6 and six to start, then I don't expect that to erupt and undermine the club. Well, it wasn't a distraction. Uh, you know, the Pickens thing, you know, him not as an individual, and the, the Deontay Trubisky thing, 
that was just handled poorly by Tomlin. I mean, just horribly poorly by Tomlin in that he promised Trubisky he'd start until uh, the bye week and then just janked him out and put Pickett in with, with no first-team reps. That was just mangled by the coach. And no matter what anybody says, defending Coach T and the players love him and he's never had a losing record, he screwed that up. You mentioned three guys along the offensive line, two tackles in the center, Mason Cole. What don't you like from what you've seen from those three? It's not a matter of what I've seen, Tim. I don't think any of us could watch a game on TV and tell if the center's playing good. Uh, but uh, they're just, you know, run-of-the-mill players, aren't they? I mean, when your best offensive linemen are both the guards, I'd, I'd prefer they were both the tackles. And I think these guys are just ordinary. The converse to the Steelers, anybody else in the preseason on the AFC side, you look at and say, hey, you know what? I think that team's going to backslide. Is Are the Browns, or maybe it's the Browns who don't ascend after being close to as mediocre as the Steelers last year. Tim, that would require watching the games, and I plead <laughs> not guilty. Uh, I mean, everybody's saying Watson's going to be terrible because he's not looked good in the preseason. I don't know about that. He's a real talent. I'm wondering about this injury with Burrow. That's the intriguing thing to me. If you made me pick the division winner right now, I might pick Baltimore because they just kept adding good players. And this Zay Flowers is something. from That, that I have seen him play a little bit with the highlights and, and the one uh, they played a nighttime exhibition game I caught a half of. I think he's real good. And when we here in Pittsburgh tend to fantasize about, you know, the picket to Pickens combination, we don't understand that, hey, maybe a team like Baltimore has a guy like Flowers who might be their guy like Pickens. You think things are going to calm down after this long lull between now and the 49ers game when it comes to the running back hype surrounding Warren and the discussion about carry split between the two? Here's, here's what's funny about that. No, I don't think it'll calm down, but I think it should. Because Matt Canada said that Najee Harris is RB1, correct? He point blank said that, right? To me, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And we're ignoring that. <laughs> I try, like, like We're I, saying, hey, Warren's got to play. Uh, Matt Canada says, well, Warren's not going to play. And we still say, well, Warren's got to play. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny about that, Mark, is I, I wrote that. I put that in a headline. And normally I have a pretty good sense of when a Steeler story is really going to track and when it's going to get reads. And I kind of looked that day afterwards I said huh that that Canada direct quote about Najee Harris didn't get the run that I thought that it would it's kind of like nobody wants to take Canada seriously even when he makes a good point or should I said especially when he does make a good point no one wants to agree with it oh never mind making a good point he's the guy that actually decides <laughs> like 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 he's saying well you know Najee Harris is RB1 and and, and he said Jalen Warren's gonna have his role but he wasn't real convincing in what he said that and we're like saying, now nah, what does he know? He's wrong. He's the guy making the decision. <laughs> uh, Mark, anything on the Penguins front you're hearing? No. I mean, not right now, no. You? No, I just, I would love to see what they can wrangle from the rest of the league or who remains a free agency, if they can swing a trade to open some cap space to get someone for that top six. I'm less concerned about who the right side third pair is because Obviously, Carlson and Latang are going to eat up so many minutes. I, I'm not all that concerned there. I mean, like, it, Chad Ruido might back into a great situation here because of that, but I, I would like to see no, something added. I, I think added. if Ruido's playing like 12, 15 minutes a game and that's it, mm -hmm. 
I, I think that's his best chance to, to play well. No, I agree. I, I agree, which is why I'm saying like trying to get another top six forward is much more of a concern for me. Yeah, I, I can I can see them getting by with Friedman or Ruedel. Is, is, here's one that I would do, though, Tim. And, and Sullivan won't. Uh, he'll play Ruedel every game if Ruedel's healthy. I would I would get Friedman in there for X amount of games. I think you'll even get better play from that spot if, let's say, Ruedel plays 50 games and Friedman plays 30. Mark, do you remember the 1983 Cotton Bowl, and are you looking to the return of the rivalry between SMU and Pitt? That was the Eric Dickerson versus Dan Marino game. That ended 7-3. <laughs> did it really yeah with those two superstars yes that's pretty good actually uh, no I don't Tim I one thing we, we should put a moratorium on for, for the podcast is I'm just not ever going to watch college football again they've absolutely ruined it for me yeah I mean it, it really quietly snuck up on me I mean I, I had some friends who went to Ireland for the Notre Dame game um, my girlfriend went to OU she was watching the OU game last night but I <laughs> I mean, like, I had very little interest in, in college football starting in their kind of week zero that they just got Tim, off to. I, I didn't know until this minute it started. <laughs> yeah, can't... No, no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And, like, here's one thing. I can't believe people, like the Penn State people, won't accept that they need that game, not as bad as Pitt does, but they both need it. They need that rivalry to exist. Mark... The Penn State people just don't see it that way, and they're scared to play Pitt because of the occasional loss that would result. And when Pete beat him in 2016, which you know might have affected him getting the playoff, right? Yes, I think that I think that 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 scared him for good. Mark, you're going to see Leonard Skinner again, huh? I am. I am. I uh, I've seen Leonard Skinner a, a bunch. Uh, it'll be sad though because this will be the first time I see them without uh, even the possibility of Gary Rossington playing since Gary passed away. I saw one of Gary's very last shows, not the last one. But the last two times I saw Skinner, I saw him in Vegas, and Gary didn't play at all. And then in Atlantic City, after that, he played the last two songs. He played on uh, on uh, Free Bird and, and Sweet Home Alabama. And, uh, you know, he, he just was clearly, you know, limping along. And, you know, and, and it, it's sad. I mean, that band, I mean, look, I mean, even some of the replacements have passed on. And, and it's just had this crazy history. And... You know, some people don't think they should be doing it. It, it. Like, usually when you have, like, Foreigner out there, the Foreigner guys like Lou Graham, you know, Mick Jones is still in the band, just rarely plays, kind of like Gary with, with Leonard Skinner near the end. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, you know, Foreigner just doesn't use the old guys. Skinner, the old guys, just aren't there. And, and, and you know, that puts the tribute in tribute band. So, God bless them. I hope they keep doing it. And apparently that that's the intent. Are you going to Aerosmith on the 6th? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, Tim, I'm going to the Guns N' Roses in Charlotte Tuesday. Oh, I'm is that why I'm doing your show Tuesday? Yes, it is. I, I will be uh, seeing GNR a total of four times on, on this swing. already saw him in, uh, in, in Hershey and Pittsburgh. I'll see him in uh, Charlotte and Miami. Those venues picked because they're indoors. In Miami in particular, a very small venue. And then I'll be seeing Aerosmith in, uh, I forget what order, but Pittsburgh, Columbus, Cleveland, and Newark. How's Tyler's voice holding up versus Axel's? Uh, when I saw Tyler in Vegas, you know, it wasn't a year, 18 months ago for the residency. 
He sounded really good, but then again, that was between lines. Uh, I mean, I thought Axel sounded. I'm really getting tired of people, you know, uh, nitpicking. He's. I thought he sounded great in Pittsburgh. There are certain songs he struggled with, but you know, I'm not sure anybody at 61 is going to hit all the notes in "Sweet Child of Mine." That's a tough song. I saw Rod Stewart too Saturday. Oh yeah, how was that? I know some people went to that show. How did it turn out? He sounded good, and he looks the part. I mean, the hair's still, you know, just like it always was, which is incredible because that's the trademark. Every woman in the building would have, would have banged him, no question. <laughs> but like Scott Mervis in the Post-Gazette wrote, and I agree, he left too many hits out of the set list. And uh, it, it, it's the most – I don't believe that fans should complain about the set list because the performer's not a jukebox. You don't put a quarter in. But I, I also think it's fair to say that this is the most disappointed I've been with a set list for any group in recent history. Uh, he left out Stay With Me, uh, Every Picture Tells a Story, Hot Legs. I, I mean, just a, a bunch of very prominent songs uh, just just weren't played. And at the end, that's where I think he, he, he lost Mervis. Uh, he, he had some rather obscure single, Baby Jane. Do you remember it? Yes, yeah. It's it's for some reason it's a hit single somewhere. Maybe it's like uh, maybe it's like Sex Farm. Tap's version of Sex Farm is number <laughs> Spinal Tap number two in Japan. Remember that at the end? Yeah. And he's and he's got to play the disco song. You know, I mean, I and I understand that. You know, but I, again, I I just Tim put it this way: if you let me name the top ten Rod Stewart songs, I want to hear. He didn't play seven or eight of those. Ooh, that's rough. And as, and as a lifer, that's a little nuts. Tim, I'm not mad. I mean, like I said, we, we can't tell these guys what to play. But and, and I would never not go see Rod. And I've told you, like, with Greta Van Fleet, who I'm going to see in Cleveland, uh, I think it's next month. You know, they're not doing Highway Tune. They're not doing Safari Song. They're not doing, uh, what's that, You're the One? Is that a song? Yeah, that's the one off of... Um... The Enemy Soldiers or whatever, the second album, yeah. Right, they have some weird album titles, but but like with, with them, without the track record, you know, the long-term loyalty, although I've been going like you since pretty much the beginning, although you went to that uh, show in Millville at Mr. Smalls, I did not go to that. But like like with them, if they just never play those songs again and they go into the jam bandy territory like they do now with these extended versions of songs I don't care that much about, I just won't go. Like Like Cleveland... For uh, for me is a is last chance saloon for them, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you know declaratively like they should be intimidated by that, but you know, I'd still seem that they were in Pittsburgh. Put it that way, but that's it. Hey, the Pirates don't get the right players. The bands don't play the right songs. You don't have to go. Well, right, like the Pirates, if if they played better than today when they were <laughs> when they trailed while I was on the sidewalk, you know, I would go more than two times a year. Mark Madden, he's on 3 until 6, Monday through Friday on 105.9 The X. I'll be in for Mark on Tuesday, and we're going to keep our regular schedule for Labor Day next week. We'll have the podcast for you by Monday morning, and we'll have Madden Benz unfiltered this upcoming Monday and for Labor Day as well, 9.30 a.m. on the Trib Live Facebook stream.